really get into that very aligned state and flow with yourself, you always end up meeting the right people who have the right lessons at the right time. Sometimes that timing is very, very challenging to reconcile in this human experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So what do you do then in in the cases where you're like, oh my God, like where's the next client? Come on universe, I'm waiting for it. Like, what what are you doing to kind of like ground and center yourself and be like, trust? sometimes order pizza, sometimes cry it out, sometimes like go into my backyard and scream. Other times I just like, you know, I'm a big fan of like a very, very simple breath work technique that um, like it's called alternative nostril breathing that I posted a video of that on my Instagram not too long ago. I love this. And this is like a, this has been a challenge for me because I'm so dominant in my masculine energy which is like do achieve do achieve do achieve if you want more you just do more and you get it and for me a huge growth lesson in in my own evolution personally is to just be present so there are so many moments in the day where i will honestly pause when i can start to feel my own anxieties or or worries kicking in i'll just pause and be like i know i actually have everything i need in this moment when you break it down, not into 24 hours in a day or 12 months in a year or 10 years in a decade, suddenly it's like in this one moment, which is the only thing that is real, I literally have everything I need. And that becomes such a grounding practice of constantly coming back into that centered state. And when you're in that centered state, you can be more in that flow state. When you're in more in that flow state, that cultivates more of this goddess energy. And then it becomes easier and easier and easier to yeah. trust. Welcome back to another episode of the North Star Podcast. This week, I have the beautiful conscious soul that is Lise Wilcox. She is a relationship coach who goes so deep. She inspires me to no end, which you will blatantly see in this episode. I am so grateful to have had a conversation with her. I actually discovered Lise by a good old trusty Google. I did a little search Um I was looking in all honesty about fear surrounding getting what one wants. And Lisa wrote a incredible blog post on this exact topic, which I won't go too into because we do touch on it in the episode, but I would also highly recommend you read it yourself. Um, I will just quickly note that we talk about how oftentimes it's much more comfortable for us to sit in old patterns versus new ones, even if the new one is in direct correlation with what it is that we have been calling in, manifesting, simply because, again, it's more comfortable to be in the familiar. So it's a really interesting conversation that we have here. Beyond that, we talk about as you can only imagine with her job, conscious relationships, communication, self-awareness, understanding our values and the role that they play in relationships and how to assess which relationships are right for you and which aren't. So this is really for you if you have been encountering any sort of relationship struggle or you're just uh, willing, you're just desirous of you know, perhaps bolstering the relationship that you have with a friend, with a partner, with yourself. And I truly believe that that's all of us. We all can create stronger relationships. I happen to believe relationships are the meaning of life. So I find 
conversations of this nature to be deeply profound, deeply needed. And Lise is, is certainly not anyone who leaves you disappointed. She is a definite philosophical thinker. And for that, I deeply appreciate her and all of the work that she is doing here. Just like Sarah, if you heard the Sarah Moncrief episode, Lise also believes in making big, deep change profound lasting change in efficient time if you will and she does that just like Sarah but in her own manner by going deep and I think that this is very very needed I am not a fan of prolonged periods of unnecessary pain so Anyway, without further ado, I will let you jump into this episode with the beautiful, inspiring light that is Lise Wilcox. My name is Lise Wilcox. I'm a conscious relationship coach. I'm a passionate advocate of emotional health and self-love, an avid taco enthusiast, a best-selling author, and a single mom of three. I've had breast cancer in the past. I've overcome that. I've overcome divorce. I've overcome childhood abuse and all of those really traumatic events in my life led me to a place of deep knowing and deep wisdom, which turned into really deep service. Um, and I, I wrote the book that I needed to read and I really have become the healer and the practitioner that I had been so seeking out in my own process of coming home to myself. And now I, I help others through that same process. Yeah, your work is... So inspiring. And I'm like, I think definitely a new person to your work, but in the short time that I've come across you, which is what I was just saying to you, I was like, it, it really is so deep. Like it runs straight through to your bones and you're like, this is true. Like I know like my human, like mm -hmm. ancient wisdom just knows that everything that you're saying is it's, it's so Oh, I just want to say it's almost releasing, it's surrendering. So before people are like, what is she talking about? Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about actually what your work is because it just touches so deeply. So yeah, how do you describe the work that you do? I really, I would call it finding truth and beauty in the relationship you have to yourself and mm -hmm. to others. So, and I'm, I'm very transparent. I'm very honest about this. I hate marketing. I find it incredibly challenging because I know we have like an internet system and social media stratosphere that is built on bite-sized pieces and like nothing about life truth is bite-sized except for like be yourself, right? And so for me as a conscious relationship coach, everything I do centralizes around the fact that every relationship you have in your life, be that in your business, in your work, in your family dynamics, in your intimate partnership, in your friendships, every single relationship, mm -hmm. it's all built on the platform of the relationship you have with yourself. So when people do traditional relationship coaching, it's incredibly flawed. Because usually the first thing that they do is sit you down and ask you like, so do you still want to be in this relationship? And like, nobody feels safe enough to be like, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not safe enough because you don't have enough emotional safety creative. Mm -hmm. People go to a business coach. It's the same thing. It's like, let's figure out what's wrong with your business, but then you're really only treating a symptom. And for me, each of us, we're like these very complex 
plants. And we have a root and we have many, many, many tendrils of vines that shoot off that root. And when you only look at the leaves, you're only looking at a microscopic part of the whole and work with me finding this truth and beauty in the relationship you have with yourself and with others is the work of tracing every one of those tendrils back to your own root and figuring out like what the hell is going on? What wounding are you still hanging on to? Who are you? Not who are you, the roles that you play or the, the different masks you put, put on to perform a different role, but who are you, the person, and what do you value and make, what makes you tick and what lights you up and makes, what makes you afraid, right? That's the juiciness of the work that people do with me. And when you go super granular while staying so focused on this like overall big 360 picture, you get remarkable, deep, life-lasting change that absolutely has an impact on every single relationship you are engaged in across every platform of your life. Yeah, that is so powerful and so beautiful. Do you find, I'm so curious, when people come to you, have they usually exhausted, let's say, typical wounds? Because my assumption is people must go to the typical coach for whatever niche it is that they're looking for because perhaps it's pitched easier. Like you just said, it was bite-sizable on Instagram. They give you a list. It's like, I want that. I can have that in five steps. Perfect. It's like, (laughs) lies. They're lying. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. So when people are coming to you, what are the things that they've kind of tried to do? Let's say if we're talking about relationships, what have yeah. they tried to do and how is it that you go about it like differently? Almost always people have been to a therapist or a counselor. They've usually had other kinds of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and often they come to me with a great degree of skepticism, a great degree of skepticism. Mm-hmm. And like I told you, I hate marketing. Sometimes mm-hmm. I joke that like my biggest obstacle to my own growth in my business is how bloody genuine I am. <laughs> like I am so real that I think people don't believe me. I'm like, no, like what you see is what you get. Like this is, this is what I will offer you. And this is the change I can offer you. And sometimes they don't believe that because they've been like hurt in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes people are really afraid of it because I think that there's like this subconscious pattern that knows like, oh crap, if I do this with her, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the change that I've been wanting. And that, as you know, uh-huh. creates great dissonance in your brain. If your brain has been kind of pre-programmed to not get what you want. So usually people come to me with already, like I'm not the coach for people who have like never gone into coaching and they want to know, you know, like how to stay organized or something. When somebody's coming to me for relationship advice, like intimate relationship advice, they've, they've usually had some kind of trauma. So that's been like a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, there's been an affair, they've been married for 30 years and they don't know if they want, if they want to stay married, you know, it's like, we're talking about this stuff. You can't even tell your girlfriends because it's too heavy. And so then my role becomes this deep facilitation by offering a really beautiful, safe, confidential and sacred space to just let it out. Cause when you let it out, that's actually how we start to, you know, figure out what is actually going on and then solve it from there or heal forward from there. Oh, yeah. So, wow. So does that mean if letting it out is kind of, let's say the first, the first, mm-hmm. uh, the first step in the solve, um, a lot of people, and I would, 
understand this based on our world and even past experiences, you keep things to yourself too much. You don't, you don't share because as you were saying, in, in most of the world, it doesn't feel like a safe space and we haven't yeah. fostered that enough. So that's very interesting. So you, the big, like the first thing that you're doing is like you're creating a safe space for people mm -hmm. where they, they really feel that. So, okay, let's, so when they're, oh, it's just, oh, it's so sad to me in a way because, you know, I, I struggle with this because I, for, for myself, when I was younger, I had that, that space that didn't feel that way. And so I do understand that great isolation, but for me, it was so important um, about five years ago to really create community Mm -hmm. um, of genuine connections with people. So I just think it's so beautiful that if people don't feel for whatever reason, they can create that, that you can create that mm -hmm. space for them. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I feel like sometimes, you know, we do the opposite. We mm -hmm. want to really share. Cause we're like, okay, I, like, I know I can feel this and I know this feels heavy and I want to mm -hmm. share it and we share it with the wrong person. Right. And I'm, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but maybe we share that with a friend and then the friendship ends and it's like, Oh my mm. God, like she's taking with her a huge part of my own safe mm. history. Right. Mm -hmm. And that can feel very violating and it can leave people feeling like totally, um, marred from trusting the wrong people before. Mm -hmm. Um, and then again, when we work together one-on-one, -on -one, because I work so in such a specialized way with the subconscious mind, yeah. we don't just, I don't just like consciously provide and create this like safe nurturing. It feels like a very mothering space almost. Um, not almost. It, 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 it is. Mothering. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's like late onset mothering for sure. But um, we Love actually that. go deep. And because we work with the subconscious, right. we're able to let go mm. of the the, the deep, the dark, the negative pain of an emotion like shame, guilt, mm -hmm. resentment, anger, mm -hmm. while hanging on to the lessons that you needed to learn from that experience. Mm -hmm. And that actually is the thing that creates a neurological safety. So we're actually in this work rewiring the patterns of your brain. So when people are like, oh, just think about it, like just manifest it, you can have what you want. Right. No, you can't. Because if you don't go to this deep level, you will continue to stay in that state of chasing because if your brain is telling you it's mm -hmm. dangerous for you to have what you want, mm -hmm. you'll never attract it in because it's in conflict to what you hold at your core mm -hmm. values and belief system. You yeah. have to do this like reprogramming work to create an inner environment of internal emotional safety in an external environment of mm -hmm. emotional safety to really, to really bring it home. That's yeah. It's almost like my, my mind just went, to, I'm like, okay, she's like regardening like the inside yes. of us. It's like, it's desolate and there's no soil, but you're like planting fresh soil. And that's like what things are growing out of. Because you already have everything you need inside you. Right. So there's yeah. the, like, the premise is not like, Oh, you're broken and I can fix you. It's not from that place at all. Mm -hmm. It's being a human is fucking hard. It's right. really, really hard. And we very seldom have people organically in our lives. I find sometimes like Sometimes we have great family support or friend support. Sometimes that's the case. Usually for most people, they don't have a deep place. They can go to that safely to cultivate, as you so beautifully said, mm -hmm. that like inner garden and like just work mm -hmm. with the materials that you have to build it a different way and, and, and let those, let those flowers grow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well that's, I mean, it's so valuable that you create that for them. So I've heard you talk about it and I would love if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, those those values that we have that we might disconnect with and people are coming to you and they've kind of like pushed themselves away from who they really are. And um, let's say they relate or don't relate 
probably to that like goddess energy that I've heard you talk mm-hmm. about. They're just so far away from that and they're in that crumbling phase. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, I, I want to say, why does that happen? Prefacing what I've heard you talk about also beautifully about how parents, it's they're not to blame, but a lot of this stuff does come back to that phase of life. Could yeah. you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I'm going to illustrate this with a personal example. Okay. When I was a kid, I lived in a very stifling environment and, you know, my natural gifts of writing and speaking and singing, I, like I was never, ever, ever, ever allowed to do that. And when I did that, I was punished in some way. Love was withheld. Affection was withheld. Like mm-hmm. judgment was very present. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to keep myself feeling emotionally safe because we like biologically, physiologically require love from our parents Mm -hmm. in order for me to feel safe. I had to stop using my voice, like literally, right? Like I just repressed all of the things I had to say. I Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to hum. So I just kept all my humming and singing to myself, like, like Mm -hmm. writing, I was punished for writing. So I stopped writing. And so, and I always had sore throats always. Like I always had a sore throat. So Uh, in my late twenties, maybe early thirties, I think late twenties, I remember going for a drive. I had dropped my kids off at their grandparents' house and I was just like driving and I had like some satellite radio station on that was all nineties. And I was just singing at the top of my lungs for like an hour and a half. And I remember when I got home, I was like, I feel like a changed person. Cause that was the first time I had done that in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. I had also been writing a, a newspaper column right? And suddenly I started to realize after I had done some of my own coaching, that one of my core values is the ability to use my voice. And I started to put these little pieces together that it was like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's like built into my own programming, my own human software that using my voice is in my soul. It's that important to me. So when I don't do that, when I don't live in alignment with that value, for example, I get nothing but anxiety because it's like constant friction, this constant feeling that you can't be yourself. Now, there are other values like freedom or adventure or loyalty. When you feel a great degree of anxiety, chances are it's because you're feeling that friction, that something that you're doing is out of alignment with your value. So the people that you're hanging around don't support you in your value to use your voice or they don't support your value of freedom or loyalty or fun Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And as I say, I learned that behavior that like I have my value, but I learned that my, my behavior could not support that value because it wasn't safe enough for me to do so. So I bury it. Parents don't know what we're doing most of the time because we are people and we are figuring it out. We are each walking our own path and we each have our own lessons to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there was a lot of damage done in my childhood and I took responsibility to go back and heal all of that and learn the lessons from that. And in doing so, get super crystal clear on what my personal values are. And once my personal values are like, it's not negotiable. Once I know what they are, it's like a bell I can't unring, right? So now in relationships, be it when I'm working with clients or when I'm having a social life, that's funny to say, because it's the people that I choose to surround myself, the way that I parent my children, the the men that I date, Mm -hmm. all of those relationships now come back to this like values filter. Well, when Mm -hmm. I'm with this person, do they support, am I, do I feel safe to use my voice? Yes. Okay, cool. Do I feel Mm -hmm. free in this relationship? 
yes, I do. Okay, cool. So this is a good relationship mm-hmm. versus other relationships where it's like, man, when I'm with this person, I have to like shrink to fit. I cannot speak my mind. I do not feel free. It's way too stifling. Mm-hmm. This is so, this is a no brainer. This is not a good relationship for me, or this is not a good client for me, or this is a terrible friendship for me. Right. So mm-hmm. values become central to our own self-awareness because they act as this like foundational platform upon which we, we explore the world around us. That's, that's incredible. So a lot of people probably don't know what their values are. I can imagine. And perhaps even when they're coming to you, they don't know what their values are. And we spend a, a good chunk of time discovering what those values are. And often like, I, I usually work with people for either a breakthrough day experience, which is like an eight hour day session, which feels like okay. years of therapy in a, in a eight in a hours in one day. Yeah. And it, it feels oh, wow. really intense. It goes yeah. by like that. It's wow. So and it's oh. so impactful that it's like, again, you could go to therapy or you could go to coaching or you go to counseling for like three mm-hmm. years, or you could work with me for a day. And I, you're going to get probably higher impact results. Like, sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> and then sometimes people like leave it there with a breakthrough with a couple of follow-up calls. Mm-hmm. Usually people commit to like a, a full mentorship program with me. So mm-hmm. we do this breakthrough day and then we have six months of like really juicy follow-up that I can help with lots of actionable tools and providing like this very safe space to talk things through. But um, I was going to say at the beginning of the breakthrough day, we spend like sometimes up to two hours just doing values. That's how real it gets. Mm -hmm. And in uncovering people's values already, they're like, oh my God, this is why I'm unhappy in my marriage or, oh my God, this is what, this is what I've been longing for in my career. Right. And it's like, it's become so easy to gauge what the solution is going to start to look like because we actually uncover what is the, what's the root? What's the issue? I get so excited about that. I feel like I'm rambling, but I get like no, so I'm excited exci- about this. I'm excited too. And you know, because it's, because I'm thinking here, like, you know, how many relationships dissolve, how many people quit yeah. their jobs, et cetera, simply because they don't have that root thing. Yeah. Whereas if you understand your root, you can communicate yeah. and hopefully begin to repair, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is that's, that's kind of sinking in for you at the moment. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that when with relationships? Like, do you ever work with two people, um, like a couple together? Yes. And I, I do so in kind of a non-traditional way. Like I still work with them as individuals and yeah. I haven't yet had the experience of working with them together. Okay. I'm actually just about to release my own podcast with a couple that I worked with because they were like, you have changed our lives um, because I work with one partner mm-hmm. and then I work with the other partner. And we get very clear on what their own emotional stuff is, Mm -hmm. what their own patterning from childhood looks like, what their own healing feels like, Mm -hmm. and what communication strategies now look like for them specifically. So then when they each have this really in-depth experience as individuals, because a relationship is shockingly made up of two individuals, then when they come together, it becomes so much easier Mm -hmm. to communicate and so much more transparent and being like, Oh, like I'm feeling triggered because I, when my dad used to raise his voice, it made, it meant this, this, and this was about to happen. Right. They become so much more self-aware of their own stuff that it makes being in a relationship or showing up in a relationship like a thousand times easier. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I I just think like, why go through all the, all the drama, all the heartbreak, if you can just really heal this. Yes 
this this entity that you've created together really and yes that's just I, that's so that's and, so and for cool. couples now we're talking like we're talking a weekend right if i like have wow. one on a friday and one on a thursday you know then we do a couple of follow-up calls after that and it's like so that stuff that and i'm not i'm not exaggerating here like <laughs> i'm kind of arrogant about it but like i'm this confident in my work <laughs> You like, should, you should be. Oh my God. Not humble. Yeah. <laughs> you could take a couple of years to invest in that. Plus the day to day living with each other and being like, is this even going to work? Or we right. could just get it knocked out. And sometimes the answer is like, wow, we're actually really not cut out to be together. And again, personally, I would rather know that in a weekend sure. as opposed to like three years of investing and going to yeah. be together. That's super interesting. So what differentiates the two, like the breaking point between you know, we're not cut out and we can work through it. Well, this is, I think this is so fascinating and this is like a huge rabbit hole of a conversation. Okay. Yeah. We have, culturally, we have this really, really fucked up notion that you get into a relationship and it should be forever. Like there is nothing about the human experience that is forever. Nothing except for the relationship you have with yourself. Like that's the one permanence that we have in our lives. But we have this fallacy, this like fairy tale fallacy that we're going to meet the one and we're going to be together. And then like, if we are strong enough, we're going to weather those storms. And it's not true. Like we are constantly growing. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. Sometimes people meet a partner and they grow and evolve at the, at the same time or they grow and evolve in such a way that they're each able to support one mm. another's growth and evolution through each of those phases. Okay. The 53% divorce rate indicates to me that most people don't find that the first time around, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, Esther Perel says that we need three partners over the course of our lives. And sometimes we get that same person that we grow and evolve with across all three phases. But uh -huh. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I think that also is liberating too. This reminds me actually talking, I know you and um, Joan Karnashian also recently chatted. So this reminds me of the conversation yeah. that I had with her. Cause I was like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Like she was like talking about like going through her divorce as well. And it just really reminded me of kind of what you were saying here. Like, um, let's say dissolving the fairy tale notion in order to accept yeah. ourselves really. Yeah. And this, in, in our lives and, and yeah. yeah. And so I was going to say, I don't think I answered your question because again, I get really verbose and passionate. But, um, <laughs> Me too. It's so, okay. so the, break, the breaking point <laughs> becomes like, are we compatible? Right. Okay. Are we compatible to do this? And like, what are your values? Mm -hmm. What are my values? What's your vision for your life and the way that it looks and feels? What's my mm -hmm. vision for the way my life looks and feels, mm -hmm. you know, to me, relationships, and again, across all areas, but especially in, um, in love, it's like a Venn diagram. So you have two complete circles and where they overlap is the intensity of the relationship. If it's like fully superimposed, so circle on top of circle, it's mm. too much. It's like codependency. There's no independent life left. Right. And yeah. if they're like side by side with no overlap, then we've got like a totally alienated relationship where there's no shared vision in between. And those beautiful, nurturing, healthy, wonderful relationships, it doesn't mean they're not without their own challenges because life again is challenging, but there's that beautiful overlap of like, here's who 
I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Here's who my partner is as a person. And here's who we are in the middle where we overlap as a couple. If that overlap feels really good and shared and aligned, Mm -hmm. the relationship works, Mm -hmm. right? If the communication in there embedded within there is good and healthy and open, and there's an emotional safety that people can feel free to be themselves without fear of judgment or rejection, okay, now we're cooking with gas. If that stuff is not present in the overlap, that's the breaking point. And that's not a failure, right? If you are honoring your own boundaries and you're living in alignment with your own values and really going after like the embodiment of the vision that you want for your life, if you're in a relationship that doesn't support that or vice versa, it's a handshake. It should be a handshake of like, man, thanks for the memories. I've really loved you and like, good luck with the next part of your phase. Right. Yeah. So do you actually give this recommendation to people or do you have them kind of come to these uh, conclusions on their own? If you've been working with a couple, I don't, I don't think I say outright what to do. Cause I should, if I do, it's, it's been a mistake, but I don't think I do that. I tend to like provide this very like colorful picture And then like, I'm a teacher by nature, right? Like a natural educator. And so I feel like I can give this information and people Mm -hmm. are like light bulb and they come to it on their own. And then I'm here, I'm here to walk them through that because ultimately, you know, this from your own life, like you're not ready for something until you're ready for it. Somebody can give you a bunch of advice, but it's not helpful until you're ready to receive it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I give people the tools. I give people the context. I ask the questions maybe they're afraid to ask and I hold space for the answers maybe they're afraid to give. I'm also very good at listening to the things they aren't saying and starting to like piece that all together and kind of hand it over. And then from there, I would say that they're making their own decisions because they're drawing their own insights. Yeah. Oh, that is so life-changing. And the fact that you do this within two days or one day or depending Mm -hmm. on the session is to me, again, to go back to like genuine seed in you, because why would you want to do that? You know, like business-wise, I'm with that you. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like if you were the therapist, you'd be like, you know, yeah. not to knock on therapists, but you know, you'd yeah. be doing this for, for a year or something like that. And, um, you know, sort of, I don't want to say that they're drawing things out. I definitely don't mean to say no. that. I just mean no. that it's, it's just yeah. so different. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm not, I have to be so careful. Like I'm not yeah. a therapist. I feel like you know, I've created, I have coaching training, I have education, I have adult education, and I have so much life experience that I Mm -hmm. feel like so much of it is rooted in life experience Mm -hmm. and wisdom Mm -hmm. backed up by the actual science of receiving information and how the Mm -hmm. brain works, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. while I'm not a therapist, Mm -hmm. underline, underline, Mm -hmm. the work that we do feels unbelievably therapeutic. And it feels like, I always say like, feels like actionable therapy because Mm -hmm. not only are you getting that talk therapy at a conscious level, we're doing deep subconscious work. We're doing future Mm -hmm. pacing with like guided visualizations and Mm -hmm. I'm giving you follow-up tools with like a strategy plan. Like people come to me for business breakthrough days, for example, or money mindset breakthrough days. Mm -hmm. And we're creating actual tools of, okay, we've identified this pattern. Here's how we've interrupted this pattern. And here's what a new pattern could look like. And here's how you practice that, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward together. That's so cool. And the, the subconscious work that you do without giving away all the secret sauce is what, does that look more like meditation for you? Or is that, how does that carry out? It feels like meditation. I have NLP training, uh, neuro-linguistic programming training, and I have a master's certification in that. So, uh, and emotional freedom techniques. So 
it feels very meditative. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not, it's not, a med- it's just not like a simple meditation. It's very yeah. guided and scripted, yeah. but to the, the client, it feels like they're just kind of being walked through a guided meditation. Oh, that's very cool. So when you wrote this book, the, the, your, your book, yes. was that coming, you said that you wrote the book that you needed to write. Was that yeah. coming from, um, a space of dissonance in relationship or specifically, or was it um, a certain pocket of life that wasn't really working for you? Like what was going on when you decided to start writing this book in your life? So there was like a breaking point in my life that, you know, we have a lot of judgment and shame around the midlife crisis. I feel like we need to celebrate the midlife crisis because it's such a good check-in point of like, Mm what am I doing? And I'm like, am I doing this the way that feels good? Or am I just going through the motions? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people come to me after they realize they've been going through the motions and they'd like to stop being a zombie or they'd like to wake up and stop sleepwalking through their life. Right. And for me, that moment came, you know, when I'd done everything right, I checked all the boxes. I had the perfect family. I had the perfect life. I had the perfect house. Like it looked so bloody perfect that when that illusion was so punctured for me, that it was definitely not perfect, Mm -hmm. that there was definitely stuff I had just been not dealing with and avoiding that I had such a lack of trust and faith and love in myself. That was my own breaking point. And, um, in, in coming to terms with that and the healing required of me after that, um, you know, I saw several therapists and several counselors and several coaches and several Reiki practitioners and several energy workers. and like tarot readings. I had like, I had such a team of people that I employed to help me figure all this stuff out and heal that, you know, as I said, I wrote this book, which basically feels like a self-love manifesto. Mm -hmm. And it is the book that I condensed, like that I really needed to read this instruction manual of like, Mm. right. So the problem is I don't love or accept myself, period. And factually, in fact, I probably loathe myself because there's been so much trauma. How to do that when Instagram is like, just love yourself, man. Just like, I'm like, well, how, like, how do I do that? And so I wrote like a 400 page book on specifically how to do that. And it was informed it, you know, like the description of the book is that it feels equal parts memoir, self-help book, and the feeling like you're just cozied up on the couch, having a really good conversation with a friend. Mm-hmm. Each section is informed by childhood trauma or divorce or breast cancer. And what that did for me personally mm-hmm. in coming home to myself. And then it's backed up with like, here are the tools and here is the wisdom. And here is the beauty mm-hmm. of like walking people through that experience of coming home to themselves. Oh, I love that. I love how you just took such a difficult time for yourself. And you, as you're doing that for other people, you got to your own route, which was the lack of self-acceptance slash love, which is, to me, seems like the same thing. I'm not sure if that, if you would define it. I think self-acceptance is a more accurate term for it. We call it self-love, but I think self-acceptance is like a more term. It's interesting. So I was thinking about this podcast and I'm like, the only thing that I really care to talk about with people can be any, it can take any form, but it's self-acceptance because for me, that's also been the biggest shift. It was like when I came to that place of being like, no, it doesn't like, cause I had this thing for like a long time where I was like trying to fit into a box and it was like, yeah. and I was like really struggling and I was like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. I'm like, I don't fit this mold and I don't fit this mold. So who am I? And then I was like, release the boxes, release the boxes. And it took about a year. Um, and that made such a big change for me. And, you know, there's other ways that that can show up really. Um, but is that what you have really found to be the core of most people, um, that you deal with like that lack of self acceptance due to, as we talked about? Yeah. And I think that, I think that it can take many 
forms Mm -hmm. because people can be in a really beautiful, loving, supportive marriage and still not fully accept themselves. Right. And so, you know, I know somebody who's like, oh no, I'm good on the self-love front. It's like, okay, cool. I'm sure you love yourself. And those blocks that we experience come from rejecting or not fully accepting a part of ourselves, right? Hmm. When in our lives, unless you have very evolved parents and you go to an amazing school or whatever, like when, when in our lives are we fully pushed to be who we are without condition, without judgment, like just simply when are, when are we encouraged to do something because it feels really good? or try something, not because it's going to get us somewhere, but because we're kind of curious about it, right? Like not many of us are raised in those environments. Usually it's more like a, you have to invite her to your birthday party because (laughs) she invited you to her birthday party. I don't like her. Yeah, I know, but you have to invite her, right? Or like, you have to share that thing. Okay, cool. But I'm not finished with it. Oh, but you have to share it, right? Like we're never, ever, we fall off our bikes. That's another great example. (laughs) My knee is really sore. No, 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 no. You're fine. Come on. It's okay. You're going to be fine right? Like we're never, ever taught to be in our feelings. We're never, ever taught to be in our truth. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming parents again. Like I'm a solo parent of three kids. I like, trust me, I've made my own share of mistakes, but it's like knowing that we all come with that wounding. Mm -hmm. It's very rare for somebody to be totally at peace with who they are. I think most of us require some facilitation and guidance to truly come home to who we are, period. Usually this like, evolves along a fairly predictable timeline of our own adult development as well. And Mm -hmm. usually it's when people are in their forties and they're like, you know what? I kind of just don't want to give a fuck anymore. So like, what does that, like, what do I need to change in my life to be able to show up in that way that is totally reflective of who I am? Sometimes people get it in their thirties. Sometimes people get it in their fifties and sixties. Some people don't get it right? or they get it and they never act on it. Wow. And See, that's, to be honest, that's something that's always boggled my mind. I'm like, how is it, if for me, I'm like, is it, um, um, there's just less sensitivity perhaps, and it just doesn't, things don't bother. Um, I, I can't imagine being that person because it's so different than who I am, but there yeah. must be different degrees of sensitivity. So perhaps. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. that it, it's partially uh, related to values as well, right? So uh, for example, I had a client recently in her sixties and Uh, she had a deep value of safety and security. So Mm -hmm. she was very motivated by safety and security. So that one value or two values, they were really met in her partnership, Uh but you know, like joy, the freedom to be self-expressive, to Mm -hmm. be playful. None of those values were met. And she'd been so focused on having that value of safety and security met Mm -hmm. that the rest of the stuff kind of fell by the wayside. Right. And so you, when you have those values that seem like they may be in conflict with one another, then your body kind of does an emotional triage and guides you to the one that feels most important. But then when you still feel that like pervasive sadness Mm. and you look around, you're like, but I have everything I want. That to me is that kind of red flag moment to be like, Hmm, what, in what way am I, am I showing up or am I behaving that doesn't fully align with who I am as a person? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so interesting. So, <clears throat> cause in that case you would, that I, to, to, to cope with that seems quite mm-hmm. difficult because you want to maintain, I guess that, yeah. that, that value while also tying in the other ones. And so that, and this gets like, I get so nerdy about this, but <laughs> that isn't like an actual technique that we okay. use because 
your brain then takes this part of you and that part of you and is like, you can't have both of these when actually your brain always wants to support the highest vision of you. It always wants mm. what's best for you. So I have a way of teaching people how to mm. integrate those parts and get wow. them to work together as opposed to fighting each other. Like Ooh. you absolutely can have safety and security met while having your needs for freedom or playfulness mm -hmm. or whatever it is. It's just a matter of creating that new pattern and that right. new belief that um, it's like rewiring neurological safety into yeah. your, into your brain. That's fascinating because that also makes me think again, um, now on the business front of a lot of people mm -hmm. wanting to go, cause it seems like everybody I know wants to, you know, create their own life, be their own yeah. boss, et cetera, which is awesome. Um, but then a lot of people have that fear of, yeah. um, I must, you know, let go of, um, yeah. this job. And there's a lot of fear of, and, and as you said, it reminded me of someone I know who also really values that security. And I know yeah. she also wants another job. However, it, it's almost like that. It feels like a yeah. conflict, but yeah. it doesn't have to be is what you're saying. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day that like he was describing his work that he doesn't, he's not passionate about, like it, it does definitely feel like work. Mm. Um, but he has these, you know, golden handcuffs because he makes a great right. salary and the job is so easy that even though it isn't fulfilling, mm -hmm. like he feels like he can't leave. Mm -hmm. And then, so my suggestion or like the, the work then becomes like, so which values does that meet for you mm -hmm. and which values have gone unattended for some people like entrepreneurship is hard. It is mm -hmm. not for everyone. So for some people it's like, okay, meet those values of safety and security or predictability, whatever it is by having this like traditional nine to five job. And then having a very good sense of what other values are yet unrequited. What do we fill in the blanks with in the rest of your life that support that part of you? Mm. So you, you still get a good blend of everything that is so important to you at a soul wow. level at the same time. That's it's so special. Incredible. It's like, <laughs> I'm like my, like, um, I'm going so weird these days. I think it's COVID. Let's just blame it on COVID. Like, but I'm like the past few days, everything is delayed due to COVID, including our own emotions, <laughs> including our sanity probably. Cause I'm, I'm totally. like, my spidey senses are tingling and I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's okay. But that's actually how I felt. I felt like parts of my brain just like lit up while you were saying that, because that's so true. If you ask yourself yeah. that question, like, you know, how can I basically yeah. serve? this value without dismantling this one. Yeah. That's what I gathered from that. I don't want to. Yeah. And so for this guy, for example, this guy I'm pointing to him, like he's right over here. <laughs> he's not. Um, <laughs> uh, it, so it becomes a conversation of like, all right, so we're going to keep the nine to five. And mm. if this value for mentorship and education and service is not met mm. in your like very traditional job, what kinds of volunteer opportunities are you taking on? What kinds of women are you dating that now mm. can like start to overlap and fill in those blanks, right? So again, you still meet all of your values, but they don't all get put into, into one stream of your life. Oh. And that's why this work is so fucking healing yeah. because we take, you, you can't look at your business without looking at every other part of you. You can't look at your relationship without looking at every other part of you. We can't look at money mindset without, mm -hmm. without having a very, very, very deep understanding of who you are at your core. So that's why this is like Oof. so holistic. It's, it is. And I think holistic is the perfect word for it, which also is exactly what makes it difficult to share yeah. about in bite-sized manner on it, online. It makes me insane. 
It makes me insane. <laughs> and I've spent so much money on business coaching and marketing that I'm like, I, I'm not even doing it anymore. I'm just going to hope this is my business strategy. I'm going to hope for the best, the right yeah. people at the right time. You know what? Okay. I have so many things to say on that. Like the first <laughs> Because the first thing is, I totally agree. And I feel like nobody understands this these days. Like most people you talk to, you're like, why don't you just make like a two minute video? Like no oh. one has the attention span. I'm like, nobody has the attention span. Excuse me. Like what? Two, two minutes is too long. Right. Trust me. I've, I've condensed stuff into 10 minute Instagram videos. I'm like, oh my God, nobody's watching. You watch them. So thank you. But otherwise like nobody's watching. I got to make a 30 second reel oh. that takes 10 years of education and right. spits it out in a way that might be, I, I'm like, I can't, I almost give up. Like I'm very close to getting a job at a bank because like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> it's such, um, oh my God. It's such like, a. am actually like walking these waters. Cause my like deep down doesn't agree. This is like such a tangent, yeah. but like my, like, I don't feel right with like the TikTok mm -hmm. world. Like it feels yeah. to me so superficial and even yeah. though i know you can i get the point it's like be be bing bang bang or like to share a message super quick but mm -hmm. talking about stuff like this it's like you could do that i guess yeah. i guess uh i know you know i believe and this is something you've said so it actually just brings back to things something that i heard you say earlier um not today but when i've been just stalking you yeah <laughs> <laughs> is is it what I believe and I've seen in my own life too, is that you will attract the right people into your yeah. life by, um, well, you've used the words like sinking into that, like goddess energy, being, yeah. being yourself essentially. Yeah. Have you found that since you've been doing this work? Yes. And it, it, it's a long game and it requires a lot of trust, right? Yeah. If you work off the notion that like there is a divine timing to everything. And if you can shift mm -hmm. into that state of flow, that is very goddess like, right? Just yeah. to be very at peace and grounded yeah. in trust and in faith, mm -hmm. then yeah, I know that I absolutely know the right clients are coming to me at the right time. They always do. When I don't have a new client that signs up in a month and suddenly it's like, how deeply do I trust those process, you know, because then you like yeah. that masculine energy kicks in and like yeah. money kicks in. So it's, there's, there's so much back and forth, but yes, ultimately I, it is, it is absolutely true that when you really get into that very aligned state and flow with yourself, yeah. you always end up meeting the right people who have the right lessons at the right time. Sometimes that timing is very, very challenging to reconcile in this human experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So what do you do then in, in the cases where you're like, oh my God, like where's the next client? Come on universe. I'm waiting for it. Like, what do you, what are you doing to kind of like ground and center yourself and be like trust? Sometimes order pizza, sometimes cry it out. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. like go into my backyard and scream. Other times I just like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like a very, very simple breath work technique that um, like it's called alternative nostril breathing that I posted a video of that on my Instagram, not too long mm -hmm. ago. I love this. And this is like a, this has been a challenge for me because I'm so dominant in my masculine energy, which is like, do achieve, do achieve, do achieve. If you want more, you just do more and you get it. And mm -hmm. for me, a huge growth lesson in, in my own evolution personally mm -hmm. is to just be present. So there are so many moments in the day where I will honestly pause when I can start to feel my own anxieties or, or worries kicking in, yeah. I'll just pause and be like, I know I actually have everything I need in this moment. When you break it mm -hmm. down, not into 24 hours in a day or 12 months in a year or 10 years in a decade, suddenly it's like in this one moment, 
which is the only thing that is real, I literally have everything I need. And that mm -hmm. becomes such a grounding practice of constantly mm -hmm. coming back into that centered state. And when you're in that centered state, you can be more in that flow state. When yes. you're in more in that flow state, that cultivates more of this goddess energy. And then it becomes easier and easier and easier to yeah. trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, so true. And I think that that masculine energy, because a lot of people, I feel like don't know who I am. And a lot of people like say things like, oh, you're so zen. I'm like, no, I'm not. You just think that I'm that way. I've actually like very much, um, I can tend towards anxiety more than anything else. And I relate to what you're saying, like do things, yeah. get things done. I'm like super organized, like my calendar, yeah. everything's in my calendar yeah. and it's all of that. Yeah good or bad i think a lot of it's societal like it's like culture mm -hmm. like it's like this world that we live in north america we tend to mm -hmm. we didn't grow up in like let's say the flow of like italy yes. <laughs> and and sometimes like it, i think also it's sometimes it's culturally supported like that and it's like oh the hustle is real like just right. and sometimes it's also a trauma response uh -huh. right sometimes when we're over controlling or over scheduling it's because somewhere in that mm. soup of our of our neurology it became a safe pattern. If, if I can control this and I can predict this, mm. then I don't have to dwell in the unsafety of what I'm feeling. Right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think you just, that's, <laughs> does that resonate at all? Yeah. <laughs> ah, what uh, were you saying? <laughs> like, I relate okay. to it too. Brain, brain, brain exploded. And I'm like, oh yeah. I relate like, to it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it's also that like, it is this kind of work that is you know nobody's giving me a paycheck too so it is like yeah. parts of those things that you can can yeah. control so anyway it could go down yeah. that i don't know how much time you have i still want to ask you the main thing that we haven't even talked about but i don't know if we have do, it, do you have time yeah we have a few more minutes <laughs> okay okay yeah I, I wanted to i don't know how quickly we can talk on this but like this like fear of getting what we want and mm -hmm. why it feels because i read your post and it resonated but i won't go on i'll just let you kind of speak to that I think it's so this powerful. is actually a really beautiful, succinct way of wrapping everything that we've talking about. Okay. It's like Amazing. slow clap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's say, and I mean, I always use the example of partnership, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's such a relatable one. Let's say you deeply desire partnership and it's something you really want. You think you really want it. You've done all the visualization work. You've made all those lists. And it's like, I really, really want this in my life. And then you know, maybe you've had unhealthy relationships in the past. Maybe there's been relational trauma. I, I, for example, you watched your parents fighting a lot or you watched your parents get hurt. Maybe your mother or your father left or they were abusive or neglectful. And so there are like mother or father or relational wounds or all of the above. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you meet somebody and this person is like everything you wanted. Like they check all the boxes and you're like, wow, I'm in a relationship where I feel loved and supported and I'm having fun, naturally, I got to get the fuck out of here, right? Because it's yes. like, I've never experienced this before. This, your brain is firing on all cylinders being like, mayday, mayday, this is not safe. The, one of the functions of your subconscious mind is to sweep your environment looking for signs of danger. So when your brain perceives like, uh, there is a mountain lion over there. It kicks you into this physiological response state to fear, which is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And fawn mm -hmm. is just another way of saying people pleasing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's really good. Like we want that defense mechanism. But 
the subconscious doesn't have a lot of nuance or filters. So because our brain likes things the way we like them or the way that they've already been done before, when your subconscious is like sweeping your environment for signs of danger and it sees somebody in that environment who's really loving and supportive, that's contrary to everything else you've already experienced. So it sounds kind of backwards, but if you have a pattern wired into you that love looks like distrust or love looks like abuse or love looks like unreliability and somebody shows up who's the opposite of that, your brain can't deal with it because it's nothing, it's like nothing else it's ever known before. Mm. So it kicks into all these fight, flight, freeze, fawn response modes that tells you to keep you safe, you can't have this. So in order to really have what you want, you do, you have to like face this fear of getting what you want and really look into where that patterning is coming from. You know, it's very easy on TikTok, on Instagram Mm. to call this Mm self-sabotage, but then people are like, oh, I am consciously doing this. I am sabotaging myself away from this, right? People are just about to lose weight and they have a, a huge binge because like, God forbid, I actually have the results I want, or they're just about to launch a business. And then they like, don't charge enough money for any client. So then their business can't work. Yes, technically it's self-sabotage, but what it really is is self-protection. So Mm -hmm. what we have to do is go in there, figure out what those old stories and beliefs are, unlearn that pattern and establish a new one so that now it is neurologically and emotionally safe to actually have that thing that you want. So when that person shows up or that client shows up or like whatever else in your life shows up, that really healthy patterning is there. Now your brain is sweeping the environment and it doesn't perceive it to be dangerous anymore because it's aligned with your new baseline level of safety and security. Oh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I heard you saying, like, I think it was in your blog post actually that you were writing like signs, let's say of this is like, you know, like finding reasons to leave basically. And I don't think that we're often aware of this. Like I've actually been through this personally, which is why it resonated so much with me. I was like, Oh, like, look at this thing is wrong. And this thing is wrong. And then you're just like, what am I doing? (laughs) And it's so powerful. I, and so my only assumption is that you do work with clients on this kind of stuff too. And absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I would go on, but we really don't have time. So <laughs> could you just tell us the name of your book? Cause I don't think I even actually properly asked that and oh, then people can find you. You bet. So the book yeah. is to call myself beloved, a story of hope, healing and coming home. Uh, you can get it currently only on Amazon or for me personally, I can just send you a copy that's signed. Um, website is lisewilcox.ca. We're just about to relaunch it. And it's so, it feels like an art project. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, everything else, my podcast is how to be a human, the Mm -hmm. podcast with Lise Wilcox, but you can link to all of this stuff on my site, lisewilcox.ca. Thank you so much for joining us on the North Star Podcast. I am so grateful for your time and your presence. If you want to chime in on the conversation, you can send me a DM at MacBalcastro on Instagram. I mean it when I say that I'm really always happy to hear from you, be it with regards to your insights gleaned from this episode or with regard to your own unfolding journey at large. 
I do believe that we each have our own North Star and it's our duty to do the inner work to get to know ourselves so that we can live in harmony with our souls, carry out our calling, and serve others with the gifts we have each been uniquely blessed with in this lifetime. Thank you again for joining us and I'll see you next time.